up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment and the human spirit. Welcome to a brand new episode of Up Close with Carlos Sang. My next guest is a highly acclaimed actress who boasts a decade-spanning career, who has also collected accolades along the way for her work both on stage and on screen. She is currently starring in a brand new production of Medea at the brand new At Soho Place Theatre. It is an absolute delight to be able to introduce the wonderful Marion Bailey to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Delighted to be here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Medea is currently playing in the brand new Asahi Place Theatre. Um, how has it been working in this brand new space? Oh, it's been fantastic. <laughs> it's so un- so rare you ever get to work in a brand new theatre. And this is the first newly built West End theatre for, I think, 50 years. Um, I'm not sure of the exact date, but it's a gem of a theatre. I think it's a it's a delightful space to play in because you can feel the audience surrounding you. I imagine, well, actually, I did see the previous play, which was As You Like It, and it was a beautiful space to sit and watch a play. Um, there are no bad seats in the house, really, and the seats aren't that expensive. I mean, they start from £20, I think, which is as West End goes, very, very reasonable, although I know £20 is quite a lot to a lot of people. But um, yes, they're, they're, they're not bad when you think of what West End prices very often are. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful little theatre. And it's lovely to be in a, a new building because quite often these old Victorian theatres you get to work in, they can be, shall we say, you know, pretty, pretty rough backstage. They didn't really think of the actors backstage much when they design them you know Um, Mm. so yeah it's lovely very well put together very well designed and a pleasure to be in Mm. yeah I I love the space as well I went to see as you like it as well it's a beautiful building um I love the fact that the show is also going to be playing in the round as we didn't have a lot of theatre in that setup um would you say it's more interesting or challenging playing in the round too it is. It's challenging. I mean, I have done it before, but probably <laughs> not since the 1980s when I was in rep. I worked at Crucible Theatre in Sheffield, um, which, of course, lots of people know from <laughs> snooker. But uh, yes, it's, it is challenging, but it's been a good challenge. And once we kick off at the start of the evening, um, it just car- seems to carry you through. It's it's a wonderful space, but it does present a lot of challenges because you have to make sure that people can see you all the way around, you know, and, and sometimes, of course, people will get your back, but that's quite useful to learn to act with your back as much as your front. It's good. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Cook is also one of my favourite theatre directors. I've loved watching his work over the last couple of years. Um, What has the experience been like working with him on this production too? Lovely. That's all I can say in one word. It's he's he's so smart and he's so kind and creative and everything you want from a director, really. He takes you on a wonderful journey of discovery and he's funny and given the nature of this play, which is, of course, a Greek tragedy, although we get quite a lot of laughs from the audience, but um, he's just made the whole process fun and joyful uh, from start to finish. And yes, he has wonderful ideas. And and he's good at doing the preview. When did we start? We started previewing on Friday. So, you know, we've got a week's 
worth of previews and we've it's a work in progress we've been sort of making changes and it doesn't ever feel stale mm, it'll feel mm. fresh yeah i was really curious to learn more about um robertson jeffers's text for this as well um mm. i guess jeffers isn't perhaps as well known as other writers and yeah. his medea was only ever performed once um what was it that stood out about his version that made you want to be involved well the poetry is beautiful um i think what happened to him was that he, he was a conscientious objector during the war and he also actually did a lot a lot of work for conservation and protection of the planet and all matters ecological um long before very many people were concerned with that but i think because he'd been a conscientious objector his work was dropped a bit he he, he was slightly ignored i think he previously and been a very successful poet but it's beautiful poetry really lovely stuff uh breathtaking sometimes you know um so that's been a pleasure and again a challenge for me because it's not very often you get to do this stuff a I haven't done any Greek tragedy since drama school and I suspect we didn't do it very well then you know it was all very declamatory and you know this is much more not naturalistic but realistic and mm. simple and truthful and um it's just a delight to work with the poetry it's blank verse I mean it's not rhyming couplets or anything but um yes the language is astonishingly lovely yeah it's really incredible as well to see that you know thousands of years later you know people are still so intrigued by the story oh. of the um why do you think you yeah. know audience are still so drawn to the story well, it's a ripping good yarn, um, for one thing. It's got one of the greatest roles for a woman in Medea, which, of course, we have the wonderful Sophie Ocanedo playing. Um, and she's such a large character. She's kind of half human, half goddess. Um, she's an outsider. And I think the play takes you on a journey of discovery about where violence can come from mm. if people are treated without empathy, if people are if from injustice, basically. Uh, that's what it explores. And of course, that's still with us. That is so contemporary that injustice can lead and does eventually lead to violence. And uh, that's why there's a very good reason why we must try to avoid injustice at all costs. But, you know, Imagine if I, I often think I, I think I wonder what Euripides was actually like as a human being, you know, this Greek guy who was a great poet and wrote plays. He would have been astonished, wouldn't he, to think that his work was still being performed two and a half thousand years later and it still gets audiences. You know, I can feel the audience absolutely riveted by it. Um, and that's quite remarkable. Yeah, I know um, you mentioned um, you're currently in previews at the moment and I'm already hearing, you know, about standing ovations and, you know, potential you know, yeah. Olivier Award nominations as well. Um, how would you describe, you know, audiences um, so far? And, you know, how much has the show changed over this preview period? Well, it's changed a little bit, you know. I mean, obviously the play is the play and the show is the show. It's not going to change vastly. But no, I mean, Dominic, as I said before, is very creative. He's still... Um, well, he has been in the first few previews, just saying, oh, that bit didn't really work. Let's maybe try this. Let's try that. Let's, you know, so he's there's, he's certainly not complacent, given mm -hmm. that, yes, the audience 
have been on their feet since the first preview at the end. It's amazing. And it's it's lovely. It's very <laughs> exciting as an actor when people spontaneously erupt into standing ovations and cheers. And that, you know, that's for the play as much as anything. And this production, which I think is, I'm not going to give away any spoilers about how we do it, but it's a very exciting production. It's incredible drama. Um, and I suppose that's the other thing, going back to your question about why the play is still done. It's wonderfully rip-roaring, exciting drama. And people always love that, don't they? You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple of months ago as well, I got to come and see you in Handbagged um, just after the Queen died. Um, yeah. What was the experience like as well, you know, playing the Queen during that time of national mourning? Well, she actually died on the night before our first preview. So we cancelled that preview out of respect. And of course, we were all thinking, should we even be doing this play, even though the Queen is depicted in a very, you know, she's the goody, as it were, in the play. So I, I, I was quite frightened stepping out <laughs> when we did eventually do it, which was on the following night. But the audience was so lovely and they... I think they sort of took it as something of a tribute. Mm. Um, and I could feel the waves of warmth and support coming in my direction. And then it was a joy to play. And although I think it was about 10 years ago, I first did the play. Mm. And um, obviously we were doing this production as a nod to the Jubilee. That was the original idea. And so I, I was, uh, I can't describe, gutted, I think is the word <laughs> to describe what I felt like when, when she died. But it became a joyful tribute. And of course, it, that again, lovely play and very funny. And I think it served, she, she's famous for her wit, the Queen. I mean, she was apparently, everyone I know who's met her said she was an incredibly witty, sharp woman. And um I think the play did justice to that. So it was a pleasure to, yeah. to play it in the end. But yeah, that first performance was quite daunting. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, it felt like a very warm tribute, I remember. Um, you obviously, yeah, as you say, you played the Queen in Handbagged uh, in 2013. And why did you want to go back to that show? Um, you know, so, um, so. Well, Indu, our lovely director at River Singham, rang me up, uh, I think, probably about six months beforehand, I said, look, we're thinking of doing this. Will you be interested? And I said, oh, give me a day to think about this. I'm not sure if I want to revisit, you know, go back. And then when I thought about it overnight, I thought, oh, this would be such a such a gas, such fun to do again. And I couldn't resist it. So I rang her back the next morning and said, yes, absolutely. Brilliant idea. I'm on, you know. Um, so that was actually quite a few months beforehand. And the other thing I remember uh, on the first, show that we did do after the Queen's death. I remember standing in the wings, not only suffering from the usual stage fright and first night nerves, but fear of, of whether we were doing the right thing in putting this show on. And into my mind came the idea that given what the Queen had had to go through in her life, you know, if she'd been in that position, I could hear her saying to me, oh, look, just get on with it. Just step out there and get on with it and don't be so silly. And, you know, that carried me through really. Um, <laughs> interestingly yeah uh, you also got to play um of course the queen mother in the crown uh won two sag awards uh, for your betrayal with the cast yeah. um are there any other royals that you'd like to play as well in the future <laughs> i don't know i think i think i might have done the royal family um you know i mean i often look at my profile and think mm, maybe i could have a go at princess anne but 
because we're about the same age. But of course, what I'm not is a great horsewoman. And I think you really would have to be a great horsewoman to depict her. I, I admire her hugely, actually, Princess Anne. Um, you know, she's just sort of kept her head down and got on with it and does a lot of good work. But and actually, she's the only member of the royal family I ever met when I was very young. And I was in with the National Youth Theatre. She came to open the Shaw Theatre, which was originally built for the National Youth Theatre, although they couldn't afford to sustain it eventually. But mm. yes, I, I know. I think I've probably done the royal family, but who knows? You never, never say never. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, the latest season of The Crown also garnered some criticism for its, you know, depiction of some historical events. Um, did you watch the most recent season and what were your I haven't thoughts? seen all of it. I've seen some of it. Um, I mean, people just have to remember, again, it's a drama and it would be a very dull drama if you depicted every single character as a thoroughly nice, decent person who never upset the advocates in any way. Um, you can't do that. But I think... My overall thought about The Crown is all the individual people are, on the whole, depicted with great sympathy and empathy and understanding. The critique, really, in as much as there is a critique, is probably for the institution, and that might raise a question about that and, and what it's like to live in that goldfish bowl. I admire, I, I had huge admiration for the Queen. I actually think certainly in my seasons that Prince Charles and Camilla and Diana were all depicted very sensitively and sympathetically. I, I identified with all of them in a way. And so I think it's a shame if they felt they'd been misrepresented. It's a pity because I, I think the aim was to show them as fully rounded human beings with the usual human foibles, human... Um, happiness and misery <laughs> and I think probably that's why the series did so well and also because we all know these characters certainly in this country and, and of course it's hugely popular in the states so I don't think it was unfair to any of the I mean there were lots of rumors going around about oh you know it depicts uh Prince Philip having an affair well actually it didn't it didn't when I watched that episode I thought no he's not having an affair he's having a friendship an understandable friendship um and that's a very different thing to saying he was having an affair with this other character so I think some of the criticism but of course you know it's all been superseded by <laughs> Prince Harry and Meghan hasn't it you know no one's <laughs> No one's worrying about the crown anymore. It's all got a lot worse um, from within the family. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely really interesting to hear um, your perspective on that. Um, I also want to take some time to talk about Mr. Turner, but also more importantly, Mrs. Booth. Um, the film had a huge impact on me when I first saw it. Um, were you surprised by how much audiences and critics warmed to that film and to your performance? I, certainly, well, it's wonderful that they did warm to my performance. Um, I wasn't surprised that people warmed to the film because, you know, Mike Lee probably knows my partner. Uh, um, and I first worked with him in, well, I first met him in 1978 and we first worked together in 1980 on a stage play called Goose Pimples. Um, I love working with him. I think he's a quite extraordinary uh, director and writer, even though he writes in his own particular way, you know, he creates it with the cast through improvisation, um, through a process that is entirely his own, which I couldn't even begin to describe. <laughs> it's so complicated, you know, but I, I think all his work is 
astonishing. He'd wanted to make a film about Turner for a very, very long time. And he is an artist and, you know, he, he went to art school as well as drama school and film school when he was young. Um, so, no, it didn't surprise me that people loved, on the whole, loved that film. Um, it had a wonderful cast. Dick Pope, great cinematographer, and he, of course, had spent months working on the colour palette for the film and looking at the colours that Turner used. And I think as well, you know, it wasn't a huge budget. And I think it was one, I think it's miraculous what Mike and Dick can kind of pull out of the bag on, on the budget they've got to make it look so fabulous. Um, and she was a lovely character. We Not very much is known about Mrs. Booth, really. So we, we invented quite a lot of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I hope she did come across as very warm and supportive of Turner because sometimes, you know, the history books have said she was a, you know, a gold digger and well, she might have been, who knows? We'll never know. We can't go back in history and find out. But I, I certainly wanted to depict her as very sympathetic and loving and... Yeah, absolutely. There was a real organic feel to the film, which I really loved. It was the first um, Mike Lee film that I saw. Um, and yeah, it's been nine years since the film premiered at Cannes. Um, have you revisited yeah. the film at all? And did it make you reconsider Turner at all? Or did you have a greater appreciation of his work? I certainly had a greater appreciation of his work. Um, and of course, having been in it and Mike having directed it, we, we got invited to quite a lot of Turner exhibitions around the place. Um, I've revisited it possibly once because there was a big retrospective of Mike's work at the Film Theatre in London, the BFI, um, last, oh, I'm losing track of years, year before last actually in the autumn, and then more recently in New York. So I have seen it since. But like all his work, you know, I, <laughs> I can watch it again and again and find new stuff in it. Um, think, oh, that's good. I never noticed that bit before, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you've worked pretty extensively with uh, Mike Lee over the, your career mm. on various projects, and it's been a number of years since we've seen Mike Lee back at the theatre as well. Um, mm. Do you imagine we'll see him returning to the theatre again soon? Well, uh, um, it's possible, you know. I, <laughs> who knows? I can't answer that question. I mean, the last play he did, I was in, which was Grief at the National Theatre, and that was a joy to do. It probably should have had a longer life, perhaps, but... Uh, People love it. People still talk to me and say, oh, that was one of his best plays. So, you know, Grief and the other play I, I especially love was Ecstasy. Um, you know, his plays, I, I didn't see It's a Great Big Shame, which was a wonderful play he did at Stratford East back in the day. So, yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, it's not impossible. Um, I Fingers think he's crossed. Funny. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've had a pretty healthy balance between uh, screen and stage work over your um, decade-spanning career. Um, has it turned out the way you expected it to when you first started acting? I think it's turned out much better than I ever dreamed, you know. When I started, I just couldn't believe people were paying me to do it, you know. And I, I felt so lucky. I got into the National Youth Theatre. I got into drama school. I don't come from a theatrical background. My dad was a postman, you know. They were London people, my family. They um, weren't at all theatrical although thinking back about my mum she, she was a great storyteller I remember her telling me poems but and stories very well when I was a kid so she probably could have been an actress in another life for another time but yeah I just never expected I'd get away with it 
I probably had a bit of imposter syndrome when I started. And then, you know, I got over that and just got on with it. I feel now I've been very lucky. I've had a wonderful range of parts. I've never, I think it took me quite a while to realise that I was a character actor, by which I mean, sometimes that's just used for someone who plays small parts. I don't mean it like that. I mean, I can... I've had the wonderful opportunity of playing a lot of varied characters um, and that's rare and a beautiful thing. And yeah, I would only say I can't believe my luck. And I also feel I'm very lucky at my age, <laughs> which is slightly over 40, um, <laughs> many decades, uh, quite a lot over 40. Uh, I'm very lucky to still be able to do it and still be getting interesting, nice parts to do, you know. Um, so I have no complaints. Yeah, I mean, you're working with a few uh, young actors as well on Medea. Um, is there any part of you that is able to identify with, you know, these, you know, child actors? And how do you, you know, keep the safe space given how dark the story is as well? Well, the the, the children who are brilliant, <laughs> um, they're so good. They didn't see all of the play at any point. And, and I, I remember once they listened to someone's one of the characters' speeches and got rather upset. So they were taken out of, luckily where we were rehearsing, there was a big green room next door and they could go in there. So they've only experienced the bits of the play when they're on stage, really. Um, and they're very well looked after and they've had a ball, you know, they're very happy, very excited. And in fact, last night I said to, so I was listening to them when we come down a set of stairs to go through into the um, little bit where we gather before the play. And they were so excited and the chaperone was saying, just keep calm, keep calm. <laughs> and we're all suffering from nerves and stress and thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, how are we gonna get on tonight? And I thought, how wonderful to still have that excitement and thrill and I always feel joyful. I always get a buzz of excitement going through a stage door because I am, when I was young, I was stage struck more than starstruck. I wanted to tread the boards, you know. Later on, I discovered I loved filming, but yeah, when I was when I first started, it was all about the theatre. Um, so it's quite an object lesson to see the, the the enthusiasm and pure joy they experience stepping out and acting. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it's going to be. It sounds like an amazing production. Um, just as a last question, and um, what do you hope audiences will take away from seeing Medea? Oh, just a great night in the theatre, you know, uh, and a mix of emotions. And I mean, the Greeks used to say that. Watching a tragedy actually makes you feel better afterwards. You know, they, that, that was their theory, that comedy makes you feel slightly uneasy because you've been got at mm. a little bit. You know, and that's what comedy is, isn't it? That comedy is kind of poking at human frailty. Mm. Tragedy takes you on a rather cleansing journey and you come out the other end of it thinking, oh, that's better. <laughs> I've been through that with those characters and now I can just relax and... Uh, Yes, so I think they were probably right. But on the whole, I hope they have a memorable night of top theatre, top drama and a great play that they hope, hopefully will remember because mm. uh, it is a wonderful story and we never get tired of stories, us humans, do we? That's yeah. that's what I'm in it for, really, to tell tell people's stories, to show characters, to sort of make us all a bit more, hopefully, empathetic towards each other in life. Um, to look at life from someone else's point of view, all of that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's been amazing talking to you. Uh, Marion Bailey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.